in the series and the Tim Burton remake from the Planet of the Apes. We're gonna get a little weird. And uh, speaking of weird, we recorded this on April the 20th. I don't know if that holds any significance to anybody. Uh, So many beers were had, much fun was had, and uh, I think you can hear us deteriorating throughout the podcast. I still think it's entertaining, but uh, I just wanted to qualify that uh, we were making rather merry while we recorded this podcast. I hope you enjoy it, and if you have any feedback for me, you can do that by sending it to rankinreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-B-I-E-W at gmail.com. As usual, there will be spoilers for the six monkey movies being ranked, and there will be coarse language. Let's get weird. Let's talk about monkeys. All right. All right. I have Kevin Stiller back with us for Rank and Review. Thank you so much for coming back to the show. Yeah, so yeah, so glad to do it. It's always a pleasure to yeah, have yeah. you here. Uh, we are celebrating uh, April 20th. That's right. It's the 20th of April. <laughs> uh, and uh, we're doing an interesting episode because we're going to tackle the planet of the apes. Not all of it, but a good chunk of it. Very we're going to look at the universe. five original movies and the Tim Burton remake. This was your idea, not planning. Was. No, 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 I know. make the movies, but this no, is your idea. But they are very... They're very strange, right? But yeah, yeah. But but okay. So so what inspired me? I should I should justify this is that I, I watched the the third and the new the reboot, the War for the Planet of the Apes, right? The Woody Harrelson monkey movie, right, right, right. And thought it was incredible. Right. I really really liked it. I thought it was a good example of a series and a reboot that uh, that really uh, that really earned its stripes because I, I yeah I really loved it. You know what? I actually haven't seen the original uh, series of, of Planet of the Apes. Right. So I thought, well, you know who's you know who you know who can help here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm very familiar with the original Planet of the Apes and with the sequel to the Planet of the Apes. Right. But the rest of the Planet of the Apes movies was kind of a vague thing. Like I saw them when I was a kid, but I didn't like they kind of all mushed together and it was something that I watched and sort of forgot it didn't it wasn't a huge pop culture thing to me. 
I like the first one because it's got a really crazy ending, and I like the second one because it's got a really crazy <laughs> ending. Um, especially at a young age, it was nice. just like I was kind of amazed by it for some reason, but um, didn't hang in there for the rest of the, the, the movies. And honestly, I got the entire set very cheaply, thinking, you know what? Someday I'll yep. put it on Mike and Review. Like, it was one of those, I justified the purchase for the podcast. <laughs> um, so, uh, and again, uh, I, the day came. You said you wanted to do it. I said it was fate. fate. It was fate. <laughs> so I remember talking to you about this, and the, the, the thoughts that were coming to me were, first of all, these movies are fucking dark yes <laughs> like, not just a little bit it went to some really uncomfortable places yeah and uh, I think what uh, one of the things I want to talk about is how throughout the series it, it the, the franchise manages to encompass everything good and bad you can do with sequels right and then we're going to finish with of course the Tim Burton reimagining remake rejiggering yeah, yeah, yeah. of the Planet yeah. of the Apes which I think simultaneously does everything good and bad that you can do with a reimagining yeah. or a remake not to tip my hand too much and then after all of that monkey talk you and I are going to rank these bitches <laughs> that is the final challenge <laughs> so is there anything else you want to say about these six Planet of the Apes movies before we duck in uh, I think we just need to I think we just need to duck in um, okay, well, the oh, we put the movies. The six Planet of the Apes movies we are going to be talking about. Oh, oh, Planet of the Apes. Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Thank you very much. Yep. Escape from the Planet of the Apes. Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Battle for the Planet of the Apes, and finally Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. Right. Kevin Stiller, you're my hero. Discover Planet of the Apes. A civilization where humans run wild in the jungles. And the superior beings are apes. jump into 1968's Planet of the Apes I guess one of the many questions I have is like of all the concepts to ring of well initially five movie franchise out of yeah. then a remake then another trilogy yeah right like this really does seem particularly you know plucked out of the a random. real left turn <laughs> <laughs> like and you also have Rod Serling as a, one of the credited right. screenwriters of course the creator of the original and most best version of the Twilight Zone that we've seen so far um, it's it's out there it's a real out there thing it's yeah. based off of a French novel apparently and in the novel you have a full ape society being explored right. it's much more streamlined for the right. movie and of course uh, the whole thing is centered around that incredible piece of you know masculine machinery <laughs> that is Charlton Heston <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so I guess two unpopular opinions right out of the gate. And this is a movie that I love, but the premise is completely freaking ludicrous. <laughs> and it stars Charlton Heston, who I have the unpopular opinion, although I understand his star magnitude. <laughs> I understand that he is Charlton fucking Heston, like I get it. <laughs> I, I find, for me, he tends to overplay his hand for me. Like, I have always thought of him as an over-actor. Well, it's it's sort of part of his uh, weakness and his charm, where it's yes. like, he's on stage, isn't he? Uh, no, he's, yeah, he's just so very big, but there's something kind of satisfying about it there's something about he his into presence it. yeah his presence is strangely comforting yeah especially <laughs> in an American context I think you know he was the last of the great stage actors exactly and uh, it's a personality it's a personality thing like mm-hmm. this is not an actor who disappears into the role <laughs> okay this is Joe like, yes, right? you man yeah. Moses everything like, uh and again, it also, it's ushering in the age of the really bizarro 70s, yeah. 60s sci-fi. It's definitely an aesthetic, yeah. <laughs> uh, where the endings are usually super dark and um, the, the movies are taking creative risks, which I can sort yeah. of respect. Whether or not they age well, I don't know. This movie seems obsessed with panning still. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of slow pans. Uh, uh, zooming in when they're starting a fire, when they first land. In right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, where do you start on Planet of the Apes? Uh, I mean, it's very, it's, I don't know if it's necessarily influential, but even if you haven't seen it, you feel like you've seen it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so that was actually, what was weird for me was that I actually hadn't actually watched the movie front to back until I, until just a few, like, just until I borrowed the series from you. Yeah, well, we watched the first one together, we projected it up on my wall around Christmas time, Right, right. And, uh, first of all, um... It is beautiful. Right. Like I mean, they they uh, I I like uh, sort of that era of filmmaking, where they're still kind of excited that they can do vistas and and uh, show landscapes and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, it, it is of course with Charlton Heston, you've sort of got the the last of the holdouts for the the great stage actors as well. Uh, but but it, it kind of kept it grounded as well. Like it, it was it it ran with the premise. What if Society was founded uh, or continued to evolve with where apes. No matter how ludicrous the situation that presents itself is, and no matter how obvious the social commentary is, and if I have a complaint, I will say that it lacks subtlety. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's that era as well. Yeah, <laughs> but that's okay in a charming '68 kind of way. Yeah. It lacks subtlety, but uh, it's those things that, that maybe I. We're, those are a little yeah. bit tricky. <laughs> Ages a little bit. But too. generally speaking, like, it, it has this older movie conceit, too, where there's a journey thing going on. Right, right. We have the crash landing. We learn that they've lost their only female astronaut. They've learned that they've technically, like, traveled through time to get here. Right. Everyone they've known have been lost. A good half an hour, 40 minutes almost, before we see the monkeys. Oh, yeah, right. Like, we spend a good amount of time with the astronauts, and then almost instantly, we're stripped down to one astronaut. Right, right, yeah. (laughs) And it's just kind of interesting. There's almost a Hitchcock-y thing. I've talked about that same thing with Hitchcock movies, where a lot of times the first hour, half an hour of the movie is the journey to get the story actually started. yeah. And then... 
the story starts in a big way. In, in a way, this has that psycho thing happening where halfway through the movie, it feels like we lose all of our main characters. Yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, Charlton Heston is captured. He is uh, examined by some friendly monkeys that we're going to get to know quite well. <laughs> right, later in the series. Uh, yeah. from, played by Malcolm McDowell and... Oh, Kim Hunter? Oh, yeah, right. Kim Hunter Nova? Uh, no, 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 Kim Hunter is uh, Zero and... Uh, yeah, Kim um, Hunter is Zero. Thank right. You. And Morris Evans plays the evil Dr. Zero. Yes. <laughs> Despite what you learned as a child watching The Simpsons, we do not love you, Dr. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I also love, I love how macho, again, I was talking shit about Chuck Eston, but I love the macho-ness of this character, how un- unfucking visible. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Raw like, manhood. I travel through time, and I'm on, an, on a faraway planet, and I'm still cracking wise. Yep. <laughs> the planet is full of apes hunting humans. <laughs> Get your hands off me, you damn dirty ape. <laughs> It's a madhouse! <laughs> it is. It's almost like Chuck Eston himself is calling the movie on his <laughs> But it's very intensely watchable. It much is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, did, we, did we talk enough about part one? Well, I mean... To move to- I think there's a, there's a lot to say. Obviously, it has one of the biggest twists in, in, in film history. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, if you don't know, I mean, we'll put a spoiler warning. Oh, uh, yeah, I think everyone If, if you knows. don't know the end of The Planet of the Apes, I don't know who you are or where you've been. <laughs> well Welcome wrong. back from the coma. <laughs> you woke up and you're like, what? There's, there's, there's How many nine are Planet there? of the Apes <laughs> movies. There's a Planet of the Apes animated series. <laughs> there was 13 episodes. There was graphic novels and stuff. Yeah, I know. The people explore this universe. Um, <laughs> it's something about it definitely triggered in the zeitgeist. And I want. I wonder what it is. I mean, obviously there's the unsubtle social satire. Yeah. And the famous image of the three monkey judges, one covering his ears, right. one covering <laughs> yeah. his eyes, one covering his mouth. And just the idea of flipping the switch on, on, on how... It's supposed to be. Right. The monkeys are running us. They're uh, evolutionarily speaking supposed to be behind us. Mm-hmm. So what does it all mean? What does it all lead to? Mm-hmm. You maniacs! You, maniacs! you <laughs> blew it up! Um, I understand that it's a conceit of the narrative of the story that Nova doesn't speak yeah. because humans in this movie don't speak. Right. But it uh, it's almost ironic and sort of <laughs> like the role that women played in this time in history, not just in movies, but generally yeah. speaking. She was in the movie to stay quiet and, and look, look pretty. pretty. <laughs> <laughs> a yeah. very, very pretty direct way. <laughs> but I think it kind of liked her. I think it did feel fond of her. Anyway. No, I mean, I, I understand, I guess, as attraction. She's not exactly... <laughs> She doesn't look like a Neanderthal. She right. Like yeah. a, a pronounced forehead and buck teeth <laughs> or anything like that. I get like. Uh, it's also just, again, the when they first the astronauts are first seeing the the humans. He's like, if this is the best this planet has, we'll be running this place. <laughs> yeah, right. This conqueror gene just That's kicking right. fucking high gear. <laughs> 
It's just an interesting hero of a leading man. And it's funny because one of the things that, and I don't want to jump ahead really to the remake, but one of the things that I think is sorely lacking in the remake is that kind that of macho, macho bravado. Because yeah, right, yeah. Apes had it so much in the yeah. sequels. Yeah. And even if he wasn't a macho bravado, just something that... Something a little... Where Mark Wahlberg just seemed like a witness to it. Like someone you could, someone who might punch someone in the face, just oops. <laughs> yeah, because you you knew the apes would. <laughs> it felt like Mark Wahlberg was the witness to the events of Planet of the Apes, whereas Charlton Heston was the star. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but yeah, biggest twist in film history. Uh, it turns out he has indeed traveled back in time, but the spaceship did a circle and brought him back to Earth. Right. And uh, it's post-apocalyptic Earth, and the yeah. apes have taken over because the humans blew it up. <laughs> you <laughs> maniacs! <laughs> and I mean, if there's a bigger like holy shit ending ever, yeah. like probably I don't like know. top top five, top ten of the somebody write me at rankandreview at gmail dot com. Like I think it beats Soylent Green. It's <laughs> I think it beats it's like people. <laughs> yeah. I am your father. I think right. it needs yeah, yeah. to like it's, it's, a, it's the twistiest of twists. <laughs> I love it. That one wins. So overall, I think, do you have to put up with some interesting 1960s stuff? Yes. Yeah. And I think we should talk a little bit about the monkeys themselves. Yeah, right. It won I, Best Makeup. Well, right? they didn't have makeup. a Best Makeup oh, uh, oh, okay. award as such, but they gave him a special notice oh, award really? okay. for it. It's sort of like Rick Baker, where they invented this oh, <laughs> really? effects okay. award to give him an Oscar for American Wealth in London. Oh, really? Because cool. anybody who saw that movie said whoever did that. That was very cool, yeah. Give him every right, award. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, so it was sort of a similar thing here. They recognized the scope of the makeup effects in the movies. Right. And do, do they look like rubber masks? And are they very articulative? No. But I, I would say the same thing like I would about like Romero's Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. I always know what I'm looking at. And I know I'm looking at the different types. That's a gorilla. That's a chimp. That's right. an orangutan. I get the strata. No, the mouth work doesn't work. Not, yeah, that's, that's really... Yeah, that's really the only... Because iconically, they look yeah. so nice. It's really good. And we see more apes in this. Progressively through this series, we're going to see them more dressed and armed and more yeah. humanized. Right. right. And this one, like, other than riding horses or wearing guns, they're very much monkey. More Well, again, we'll see the Yeah, there's a... One. So there's a lot, a lot out there. So bizarre. Who would have thought that the Planet of the Apes would have such re- you know, yeah. teeth? You know, <laughs> historically... Culturally, like, uh, and I think today it holds up pretty well. Like, yeah. when and if my son gets into movies, I think it's one that I could maybe get him into. He For loves sure. Doctor Who, he right, likes sci fi, right. he likes time travel. Right, right. It's got monkeys in it. Yeah. <laughs> but it does have a bummer ending, and not the worst bummer ending of the series. No. <laughs> also, <laughs> gets, gets this whole franchise, I do have to say, Kevin, was aimed, marketed directly at a family audience. This first movie was rated G somehow. Sheldon has a good shot that throws I'll throw some dirt on it. Whatever. <laughs> fine. Like, there's lots of bloodletting. The second one gets even crazier, and, like, the, we'll, we'll get on to it. But this is what big-budget Hollywood was producing yeah, for the I family think that's what's amazing about that. On, on, on the weekend. And <laughs> not just for the level of violence that we see in it, which is kind of shocking yeah, to me yeah. at times. Yeah, right. But because of the very overt social feeding that's going on right. the educating of the, yeah. uh, of the audience that's going on 
it's sort of that Star Trek thing where we're we're within the space fight. There's a little bit of commentary. There's a little bit of satire, mm-hmm. and uh, the space fight helps the medicine go down. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they built five movies out of it. And uh, this movie, I understand. I understand why it's significant. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to say about the first Planet of the Apes? We got it. We got it. <laughs> where apes evolved from men? There's got to be an answer. Don't look for it, Taylor. You may not like what you find. Damn you! Three thousand nine hundred and fifty-five. Charlton Heston as Taylor, a twentieth-century astronaut, space wrecked in the incredible future. Linda Harrison as Nova, a savage beauty from the enslaved and voiceless human race. They're marked for target practice. James Franciscus as astronaut Brent on a reckless mission to rescue Taylor. Trapped by the swaggering, brutal master race of apes who dominate the Earth. A planet shattered by the atomic war of a distant, forgotten past. So politically, I would say Charlton Heston and I likely would agree on nothing. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, on his position on sequels, I am maybe a little bit sympathetic. Yeah. The amount of money and the, like I said, the amount of cultural impact of the original Planet of the Apes could not be undersold. So the powers that be wanted a sequel, and they were willing to cut a big fucking check yeah. to bring it back because they weren't confident. And I guess that makes sense to me that it was Planet of the Apes that was the thing, or that it was yeah, right, right. Heston that was <laughs> the people thing. like talking ape movies, or but. Skeptical of sequels, but not resistant to an easy paycheck. Charlton <laughs> Heston said, All right, but you've got to kill me up. <laughs> Originally, he was supposed to die at the beginning of the movie, but they decided that they were going to switch things up. This is why we have a spoiler warning, by the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> he does live. <laughs> so... We have a, what honestly looks like they hired, I don't know, like a, a child that has a lookalike or his, his fucking stunt double or something like this <laughs> to replace him. Charlton Heston type. James Franciscus, is that the name I'm seeing? Brent? Another astronaut comes to rescue the original. Against <laughs> all odds. Manages to find the planet of the apes and uh, in a very similar trajectory is very quickly captured. Yeah. <laughs> Meets or no? First, he meets Nova, and they have their adventures in the in the Forbidden Zone. Right. Uh, Charles Heston disappears into a rock wall. The new <laughs> this is confusing me. <laughs> the new astronaut finds Nova. Nova Richard just clings to him. Like I said, uh, we were talking before we pressed record. She actually refers to him as the Charlton Heston Taylor, and he as the Charlton Heston he's, character. He's 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 a knockoff Charlton Heston. He, he looks, looks like so him. much sounds like so sounds much like him. him. Plays the same function that the Charlton <laughs> Heston character would play if it was Charlton Heston. But Charlton Heston was smoking cigars and getting blown in his trailer. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm too good for this. Clothing target practice. Right? <laughs> so anyway, it's it's strange. 
yes, he meets the the friendly apes and is they manage to escape Ape City into the underground world where we meet now. We find out that humans are not just these feral mutes like Nova, that we find these psychic hybrid mutant radiation poison. <laughs> Welcome to the creatures, 70s. <laughs> right? And they're worshipping a bomb. I'm not making this up having a stroke. <laughs> they're worshipping a bomb wearing flesh masks <laughs> committing human sacrifices communicating psychically <laughs> and in true completely crazy like we don't give a fuck about the original movie we're here to make money spend this. <laughs> I almost cynically believe that the creators were like how can we make this movie so that no matter what happens there can definitely not be Planet of the Apes 3 that's exactly <laughs> what I thought too. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, crazy yeah do you, do you remember back in the mid 90's uh, sci-fi series or no supernatural series called Millennium Oh yeah, sure. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, 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 it felt to me like that that kind of uh, situation. Apparently, there was like a huge horrible fallout uh, with the writers and the creators at oh, the yeah. end of one of the seasons. So they just decided to unleash a horrible plague on the everybody. planet and kill everyone. Yeah. And I thought this was this is another one of those middle fingers. Was like, no, you were not going to have a sequel to this. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. And apparently, Chuck Tobin has not to give the go ahead on that ending, and he did. Like, yeah, thumbs up. You're not going to bother me. And say what you will about exploding the entire planet of the apes. Which, by the way, is fucking planet Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, wait a minute, there's not going to be a sequel to this. Yes, yeah. Everybody's, and it's not like everybody dies at that moment. By that time, uh, Brent, uh, our, our pseudo Dustin. Uh, oh, my God, our pseudo Charlton Aston. Has been killed. Nova has been killed. Right. He's been <laughs> movies, right? And Charlton Aston, as he's dying, triggers this bomb and just fucking undoes <laughs> yeah. everything that happened. He just wipes the franchise. There will be no sequel. The map. So, but after saying all of that, Kevin, I ask you in earnest, is it bad? <laughs> is it good? Like, uh, where do we land on this madness? As far as being effective at making me feel slightly insane and uncomfortable, I think it definitely won out there. You don't know where it's going in any given time. Like, it starts sort of feeling like the same movie, yeah, yeah. it's not and the then, same movie. <laughs> yeah, it veers off. And then we're in this underground creep fest kingdom with this Which psychic freaked guy. me out. They start trying to kill her because yeah, the, the they're telling him to kill no sound is mind, yeah. Uh, it's horrible. So that's this weird horror movie for a little while. <laughs> and then, yeah, this hella dark bloodletting <laughs> ending where the entire thing ends with narration. So, like, okay, they were on, never seen again. Right. <laughs> wow. Wow. Balls. My. Huge balls on display here. <laughs> and, you know, part of me just respects it for that. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's insane. This could be in a what the fuck category. I've done a few episodes right, of, right. like, what the fuck right. movies. <laughs> and, like, I think it actually works as that. Is it a good Planet of the Apes movie? No. I, I think, like, it's almost as cynical. Right, yeah. <laughs> exactly. like, I think they were like, yeah, we'll take your money, but, like, fuck this. Yeah, <laughs> like, this series is over. Yeah. 
So strange. So strange that, like, but again, ballsy choices left and right. Like, I could see it, it, that would never happen today. Like, if they saw a potential franchise. Yeah, exactly. Because it was planned to be a franchise, I think. They're like, yeah, we're going to make five movies of this series, too. But I also, I guess, embrace the cynicism to a certain degree as well, because despite the fact that it was such a huge movie, it was such a popular cultural thing. They cut the budget in half for this. Yeah, sequel. that was one of the problems. So that's why we spent good. we spent more time and in lots the of walking in the set. desert. Yeah, yeah, and walking in the desert and seeing the humans instead of the monkeys. Right, you know? right, right. It almost becomes more of a this radiation cult of humans. Yeah, huh. uh, the weird forbidden zone thing, which started off intriguing, right? It's suddenly, what are all these weird magical things happening? Like, what cataclysm created this? But it's just these psychic guys keeping people away from their hangout, I guess. <laughs> and once that fails, they're going to blow everything up. Yeah. Then they don't, but then Charlton Heston does anyway. <laughs> yeah. What is happening, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> I recommend it. I will say thumbs up. I, do. I say if you're going to... You know, well, I would say watch the entire Apes series. Yeah. There's really okay. no other way to kind of understand the Apes series except to watch the Apes series because they're all very different movies. They're very different movies. They, they kind of, But they take the same premise and they run with it. Right. But each one felt so different. Right. Yeah. But not necessarily... This is either. a weird one. This is this is a horrible mutant uh, child in the series hiding in the attic. The one's like, it might we're going to freak your head out. It might help your Tim Burton's. And Tim I think Burton's so. It's pretty <laughs> fucking weird. It is a freaky, freaky movie. It's unselfconsciously weird. Exactly. It's just one of those ones that's like, you know what? Let's just go crazy with this one. All right. <laughs> sure. Okay, I don't know if like people behind it were a bad genius or if they were just getting off. Like, how can we piss off? <laughs> this is series two of a popular, of a very very popular sci-fi series. Yeah, it reminds me of that old HBO prison show Oz. Right, right, right. <laughs> it started really strong, but then it kind of got shaky, got off the rails. They got a little sci-fi. They got a little ghost story subplot. It was getting stupid, and then they finally just said, "Okay, fine, last season." And it just became like, how can we piss off the fans? <laughs> Who do we kill this week that is going to outrage the fans? It's like that, that's almost what it feels like when I'm, I'm watching this movie. Like somebody behind the scenes was thinking, yeah, yeah, we'll kill Charlton Heston, we'll kill and Nova, everyone else, we'll make them watch everyone <laughs> die, and then we'll blow up the whole planet. <laughs> They'll have paid money to see us destroy the movie they love. <laughs> but why? Because cynical, you know? Yeah, they want us to make the same movie with half the budget. Charlton yeah. Heston doesn't even want to be in the movie. We're, we're doing it basically with a Charlton Heston stand-in. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow they made, if not a good, a very memorable piece of science fiction. <laughs> Is it the equal to its original... Hell you cannot no. compare the two. <laughs> one one will one will go down in history. One will stick in your brain for a very long time and make you feel strange. It's a good one to watch on April twentieth. Right, right, right. Is there anything else you want to say about the new final? I feel like I rolled over you a little bit. No, 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 no. You reminded me just how much of a trip that movie was. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, you guys. 
Please watch it, though. Certainly the most incredible story this reporter has ever covered. And you share the impact of every incredible moment. Must have been the shock. Shock, my foot. I'm pregnant. The president's chief advisor wants them murdered, or else the human race cannot survive. The escape. The birth of an infant who could threaten man's very existence. You're the second human I've kissed. You are the first. The relentless chase. The stunning climax. Shoot. Why was Washington thrown into a turmoil by this one baby? Stop him! Escape from the planet of the apes. So now we're all the way into 1971 and Escape from the Planet of the Apes. And to me, I feel like the, the writer was really boxed in here. They must have really gone to a fixer. It reminds me of that uh, Coen Brothers movie, Intolerable Cruelty. It's really right. weirdly mainstream Coen Brothers one with the divorce lawyers. Yeah. This woman comes to the George Clooney character and says, uh, you know, I got caught red-handed cheating on my husband and then I assaulted him and he has pictures of the whole thing and uh, I would like to divorce him and get as much money as possible. <laughs> and George Clooney's kind of like, well, it's a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> well, approaching the sequel, yeah, it is a challenge. They destroyed Earth. They destroyed the planet of the apes. Yeah. So the pill that we're asked to swallow, and it's not small, <laughs> is that uh, our two main friends, uh, Malcolm McDowell and, uh, oh my goodness, we just talked Zero, about Zero, yeah. Zero. Uh, Kim, no. Kim, no. Kim Hunter. Kim Hunter, yes. Uh, yes. Cornelius and Zira have managed to not only fix the spaceship, but somehow reverse its trajectory. <laughs> Don't ask questions. They and just send did them it. backwards in time. Accept it. And uh, I like the opening stinger where, you know, the spaceship lands and everybody wants to see what these aliens look like. Yep. They come out in their spacesuits and everybody starts saluting. They think they're time travelers and they're monkeys. Yeah. Well, I mean,. They demanded another sequel. They cut the budget. And it worked. Somebody's <laughs> like, how can we actually keep this franchise going after we completely destroyed? Well, we'll have three monkeys. Of the eight. We'll have three monkeys, so that's going to cut down your budget, right? Well, the, the actress who played Zero, she is Stella from A Streetcar Named Desire. Mm-hmm. That was her, that's another that's one of her approach roles. To it. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that, no, that, that's oh, the same that actress. Role. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, um, so I have to say, when I saw those two survived... I I really like those two characters, actually. Well, and so, the apes that we've been given the most access to, uh, with arguably other than Dr. Zaius, mm-hmm. and that we were allowed to like. They're not trying to kill the humans. They were studying the humans. Yeah. They were fascinated You by find them. out a little bit later that they're a little bit... Uh, they have been dissecting more, humans. Yeah. They didn't understand. They didn't quite get that. But the, I mean, yeah, there's a all very delightful sectionist. How much did they know about the psychic humans that are living underground that are not mentioned again? Right. But uh, there's lots of sort of, you know, gray areas and maybe continuity issues with this. But I went with it on several levels. Mm-hmm. 
A, that it sort of shifted from being an action-oriented sci-fi piece to sort of very direct social satire. Right, yeah. And just instead of copying the first, just doing the inverse of it, in mm-hmm. other ways. Yeah, yeah. Instead of a human in an ape world, here are the monkeys in the human world. Yeah. And they fare no better. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, from a concept level, they managed to get themselves out of that corner that they painted themselves <laughs> into, and they tell a pretty decent story. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. It's, it's kind of this... Uh, yeah, there, there's actually a lot of complexity to the to the story as well. Um, and I do have to admit, I, I, I like Sira as a character. She's... Strong. I think she's interesting. She's yeah. com- complicated and strong, and... Uh, very interesting to watch and and the whole story uh, gets uh, yeah no it's it's uh, it's got a charm it's yeah. definitely got a charm to it uh, I think maybe they were thinking more I don't know it was a direct apology to the family audiences who may have been turned off with the level <laughs> yeah. death and destruction seen in the previous eight movies it's also the first one in the franchise where they went into it thinking, if it makes enough money, we are going to make another one, so don't paint us into another corner. Right, right. <laughs> so they consciously built to an ending that was a satisfying ending for this movie, but also left the door open if they wanted to for future endeavors. Yeah. I think if there is wonkiness to it, it's just the level of the black and white, uh, again, the lack of subtlety to the social satire. Yeah. Right? The doctor who wants these apes killed is evil. <laughs> I think that if they dialed back the evil, he could have a pretty interesting point to make. If we know for a fact that the apes are going to rise up and take over the earth, and these are the first intelligent apes, does it not make sense to stop it right now before before they can be a viable threat. Right. Like you might he'd still be a villain, but he might be less of a cartoon. Because <laughs> I have to admit, like this is one of the ones that I didn't really have a clear memory of. And as I was watching it, I, I, I had this memory of being a kid and seeing it on TV being broadcast and seeing this absolutely brutal, tragic Shakespearean ending like, or <laughs> yeah. all of these characters that we've known to love for a while they get brutally again gunned down Yeah, and somebody squibbed the baby like, like, <laughs> <laughs> again like it, it's sort of funny fish out of water stuff and weirdly charming as the they become sort of pseudo celebrities for a while yeah. and they're embraced by the culture yeah, right. and it's sort of this kind of charming fantasy for a little while yeah. And then there's this fairly sharp turn back into, remember, this is super dark 70 sci-fi. <laughs> right. With super dark 70 sci-fi. Right. But I appreciate the changes that they made. I appreciate that it wasn't an easy sequel to make and they found a yeah, solution. Yeah. I appreciate that it was, you know, somewhat complex for a movie that was, you know, the third in a Planet of the Apes <laughs> franchise. There is some meat to chew here. <laughs> uh, you know you're in shit when your savior is Khan. Ricardo Maltabon. That's an interesting wing of the the movie, too. He's a circus owner who loves animals. Yeah. Like today, you would count, probably cast the circus owner as a guy who mistreats and is terrible to the animals. But the charming, charming, charming Ricardo Maltabon. Yeah, yeah. He gets a little bit more to do in the next movie, but it's kind of nice to see him in a context outside of Khan because (laughs) for me, in my childhood, in my life, Ricardo Montalban is just... Yeah, Always. Just 
There's enough here that, yeah, absolutely, I would say watch it. It's hard to know how to rank it. And, like, these are the first three we've talked about so far, and they just couldn't be more different. Yeah. They're all Planet of the Apes movies, but they just. They each have be very different, different flavors. And again, the director at some point said, somebody squibbed the baby. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this, like, Zeri, she gets shot first, but she's not killed. Then her husband That's shoots right. the guy who shot her. <laughs> he gets shot and fucking falls to his death. And she starts trying to crawl towards him. It looks like she, she forgets about the baby and starts crawling towards him. They machine gun the fucking baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is family fair. This is Saturday afternoon matinee fair. Now, of course, they switched out the monkey at the circus and we find out that uh, the monkey that will be live. Caesar did in fact live and is hiding out in the in the circus. And that's our sort of mixed ending. Yeah, they thought that they'd stop these monkeys, but Caesar's still out there and yeah. he's gonna, you know, he's gonna have a grudge against those <laughs> folks what killed his family. <laughs> but uh, again, totally very different. Like from, from beneath the planet of the apes to escape from the planet of the apes. I mean, wow. They, they like someone, someone pulled out all the play, crazy, like bad teeth. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and they said, okay, this one has to make sense, you guys. This has to be cogent. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody lay off the reefer <laughs> and sit down and tell us an adventure story or a science fiction story that are about apes from space or apes <laughs> from the future or whatever. I mean, within that very admittedly narrow box... <laughs> they I made it happen. They did well. Is there anything else you wanted to say about Escape? Again, I feel like I'm just plowing over... Yeah, no, but I, I honestly, I just... I think the best way to examine this is the entire series. Yeah, you can't yeah. really skip a beat. Yeah. Well, I guess when we'll get to it. If there's a chapter to miss, there's an easy way to do it. But we'll talk about it when we do our little run now. But yeah, uh, really interesting, really interesting. Um, it's worth a look. And again, I, I like how totally different it is. It is a very distinct chapter in the Planet of the Apes universe. So, watch it. Now, the biggest, the newest, the most exciting of all the Planet of the Apes pictures. Climaxed by the spectacular Revolt of the Apes. The most awesome, the most horrifying spectacle in the annals of science fiction. First pampered as pets, then abused as servants, now oppressed as slaves.
that smoke from this day forward, my people will plot and plan for the inevitable day of man's downfall. And that day is upon you now! You know what, Kevin? I think if one wanted to, one might be able to see within Conquest of the Planet of the Apes an allegory to what it might be like to be an African-American adjusting. <laughs> <laughs> A sub subservient class that eventually rises up. Yeah. I think that is something in the that early 70s. really did connect with people when they watched this movie. And it was a way for them to discuss something that was actually a political hot potato at the time, for real. Right. But it's all about monkeys, so we can talk about it. Right. We, can, we can actually embrace it. So, I think we can say a lot of positive things for what the movie was trying to do socially and politically. And it, unlike Battle of the Planet, or Beneath the Planet of the Age, pardon me, it, it's not a cynical entry. I do think that they were, everybody involved were into making another good apes movie. <laughs> I think my problem that I have with this, the sort of the origin story of Caesar and the rise, the true rise of the planet of the apes is, well, the, the a weirdly, frustratingly, almost hypocritical ending. Like, it seems to be building to a revolution, but the revolution is, like, at the very last minute, snuffed out. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Like, the build does... It, it builds to nothing, in a way, I guess. Structurally, it builds and builds and builds and then just stops. And, like, I guess, narratively, that is somewhat unsatisfying. And the other problem is because it's now the fourth entry in the series, despite the fact of all of them being very profitable, they've once again dropped the budget. But instead of making a story that fits into that budget... They've had to even dial back the gorilla masks. Where like even they've always been masks, but they're starting to look even more like Halloween masks. Yeah, the, the quality on those went went down. The amount of monkeys that they want to have on screen, like, is ambitious. Still, again, considering the budget, but again, for some reason, the the studio was going to make it harder with each subsequent entry. Mm -hmm. I honestly think there could have been more Planet of the Apes movies. They just like they figure like. This is as good a Planet of the Apes we can do with this little money, and uh, to go any further, you know, would be silly. Yeah. Um, so again, socially, politically, for the time that's coming out, it's a right on the nose picture. But I guess I'm generally speaking not as into this one as I have been some of the previous. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was definitely um, probably the most linear of, of of all the stories in the series. Uh, sort of the beginning the rise the the attack um so in, the, yeah, in that sense it's probably the and also the most grounded i think i mean it, you kind of see that transition uh from from uh from our world into the the planet of the apes series yeah. which is kind of interesting so there's a few weird things that have happened and again there's some continuity issues the rise of the apes' intelligence is going to happen a lot more rapidly than we originally were told. And part of it has to do with this weird illness that has killed most strains of dogs and cats. Mm -hmm. 
So people originally just started taking in monkeys as pets, which, by the way, is a terrible idea. If anybody <laughs> out there thinks, hey, I should get a chimp, you're, you're, you're asking for trouble. <laughs> you are asking for trouble. They're powerful, dangerous, <laughs> they will smash you. fickle animals. <laughs> so uh, don't do it. If you learn one lesson from this Planet of the Apes <laughs> podcast, do not, do not get a pet monkey. monkey. Go see a pet. Go see a monkey and a visit one. Yeah, but do not bring one into your home. I got sidetracked by monkeys. <laughs> oh, monkeys. Um, monkey, it's weirdly monkey. distracting to too, and like, it's so. It's so much of Planet of the Apes movies, like that we don't seem to care anymore. That all these characters are monkeys. It's becoming this human drama. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's a definitely a win for the for the creators. Seriously <laughs> speaking, and again, we started off in a place where the apes were the enemies, and now we're going to be asked to one hundred percent identify with with Caesar, right? Um, and yet he chooses the name of a king and a conqueror. Yeah. Um, but as far as how it's presented, again, I feel the whole series is guilty of you know lacking subtlety. <laughs> But definitely this entry, you know. He has a sort of somewhat idyllic life portrayed in the circus. He does have a, a father figure who loves him. But upon seeing all the abuses that his fellow monkeys are having to put up with, he finally cries out at that human bastard or whatever. Right. And he's outed as an ape that can talk. So his father figure uh, gets himself arrested and tries to hide his you know, would-be son. And as a result, is forced to take his own life or, you know, die under torture. And Caesar is sold into auction into slavery and gets to see what the life for every other monkey in the world has been as compared to him. Mm-hmm. And once his only real emotional contact, the only real human who treated him with any kind of love or respect is killed, well, then he's 100% on the warpath. Problem is, I'm a human being. <laughs> I guess, like, part of me would just say, well, not every human would be crappy to apes. Maybe I live in this planet of the apes world and I, you know, hold pickets saying, free the monkeys. <laughs> um, yeah, everybody's going to pay for the sins of these handful of super evil guys. <laughs> um, but, I mean, there's visceral stuff to it. The action shoot up up stuff works in a, like, basic A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely feel myself less engaged. I feel less plugged into this movie than I was certainly from Escape Planet of the Apes. So. Yeah, yeah. It, it didn't quite have that emotional heart of, of uh, Escape. And Sorry, what the heck that. was that? <laughs> Sorry, it didn't have the emotional heart of Escape? Right, right. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was a, an interesting intro. I think, I, think it's, I think it's one of those ones which can only be appreciated it in, in oh, the sequel it's nonsense by itself yeah Absolutely. right <laughs> and uh, I, I would say like when I was talking about the previous episode it was designed for the sequel and that's the way to do it if you go in knowing that there's going to be another entry that's yeah, always just... going to help you right yeah um, and yeah don't just wade into the middle of this franchise I would say that about all franchises but especially this one mm-hmm. as much as I bitch about some of the continental stuff that, that we've run into I mean, it still does feel all of its war, world, you know? Mm-hmm. As much as we have different tones and takes on each individual chapter, mm-hmm. nothing feels adjacent to Planet of the Ape world. I never really feel like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've really it's really its own universe. It's not that scene in Scream 3 where Jay and Silent Bob walk through the screen and I just went, oh, too far, <laughs> too far, right? 
It never really got too far. I mean, maybe there was a way that they could have got there, but I didn't see it. So, but at the end of the day, I think what my review ends up being is that it's good enough. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's maybe faint praise. It's like, yeah, it's another Apes movie, you know. And again, the the budget is constraining it. The, the masks aren't as good. The monkeys are wearing more more human clothes. Right. And like I say, the, it leads up to this rous, rousing speech that Roddy McDowell gives. No longer will we be the oppressed. We can become the oppressors. And then like just this huge thing, war cry. And you can really see, especially socially in the day, the people in the theater getting really built, built up, built up, built up. And really, that's where the movie ends, with them tearing apart the city and taking vengeance on their, the, the slave masters, right? Right. But they won't pull the trigger on it. Uh, they won't, in the end, no, but my friends, no. Now is the time that we lay down our arms. Now is the time where we reach out a hand, right? right. He's, you know, not going to do what the humans are expecting him to do. He's not going to be like them, quote-unquote. But if it feels like a last-second retrofit cop-out... It's because it's totally a last second retro <laughs> and cop out. Uh, yeah, let the movie end with the ape revolution. We know that the apes are taking over. This is it. Right. This right. is it. And I think what they're trying to do is make a happy ending for Planet of the Apes. Yeah. And we already know that, that that's not, not how it works. Right. And, uh, <laughs> I think this flawed perspective is going to carry on into chapter five. Is there anything else you wanted to say about this one before we moved on? No, I'm happy talking about the entire series. I think uh, I think it's a very, very, very interesting journey. Agreed. We want guns! Now, the final chapter in the incredible ape saga. There it is, our wars. This is the hell my forefathers used to speak about. This background radiation alone will give us 300 rentgens an hour. The battlefield, a dead city 12 years after the ultimate bomb has been dropped. The prize, the right to inherit what's left of the Earth. The contestants, ape against man. The most unbelievable showdown ever filmed, as the mutants, strange transformed men who live underground like moles, battle the apes to decide who will be master and who will be slain. They're getting away. Kill them. Create a new race. In the aftermath of his victory, the surface of the world was ravaged by the vilest war in human history. All right, so now we're going to talk about the final chapter, at least of the original leg of this series, Battle for the Planet of the Apes. And at this point, 
the budget has gotten so low that you can actually feel a tangible technical <laughs> feel of it. It actually, by comparison, feels like it was made for television. Right. Um, there's a lot of reviewing what we've seen in the past, reorienting us, like as if somebody's sitting down to watch the fifth and final chapter of the Planet of the Apes movies <laughs> is not going to have a basic feel for the, the, you know, the premise that they've just paid their money for the fifth time to see. <laughs> Uh, so the whole thing is being a story being told to us by John Houston in right. ape makeup. And he's basically going to tell us the history of, you know, this ape civilization. And we now have um, Roddy McDowell playing both Caesar and Cornelius. Mm-hmm. Um, so Roddy McDowell has gone from playing the father of Caesar to Caesar to, to see there's a three generations of monkey have mm-hmm. been interpreted. <laughs> now. Um and it is, I think, for me, plainly, the obviously the movie of the series with the least amount of heart behind it and the least uh, amount of energy behind it. Hmm. It almost feels like a drab history lesson where people are kind of just wearing monkey suits. Hmm. I didn't feel the emotional weight. Like, all of the emotional weight of this storyline seemed to be just somehow subconsciously saved for the trilogy remake <laughs> because in a way I did connect to the characters and uh, like the good and the bad and the people who lived and the people who died even characters like Kobo in the in the in the new series he's a complex villain right mm-hmm. less so here again it's just dumbed down mm-hmm. a little bit too far for my taste no. <laughs> um yeah so there's a son who wants to make changes and sacrifices happen, tragedies happen, war can happen, or can finally maybe we bury these weapons of destruction and find a way to live together by paradoxically not going with the ultra-dark, ultra-weird 1970s ending, it feels totally adjacent <laughs> from everything that came before it for mm-hmm. me. So, yeah, yeah, no. Again, it's another Planet of the Apes movie. I don't think it's a debacle, but it is far from my favorite. And maybe my least favorite. All right, but where does Kevin land on that? I don't know. I, I, I kind of enjoyed the complexity of the story. I thought it seemed... Uh... No, I, I, uh, I, I think it felt very much akin to the, to the reboot uh, with uh, what's... Uh, Andy Serkis. Franco and uh, Andy Serkis. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, uh, I kind of like... I kind of... a. Almost like like almost a stage equality, but it felt kind of Shakespearean. So I kind of I kind of liked it in that sense. Like it didn't quite feel real, but it felt like this is the origin of the. Of the original, because it kind of loops. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cause well, it, if we take it out. Face that I guess by going back in time, those three monkeys completely Changed created a new did, timeline. Yeah, they, yeah. So the Planet of the Apes, as we were originally introduced to it in the first movie, has now been replaced by this new Planet of the Apes. And it's not the Planet of the Apes as we find out. It's the planet where the apes and the humans are figuring it out. Right. They're not like 
they're not holding hands and singing yet. <laughs> but they're but not shooting each other in the face. They're not actively killing each other either. <laughs> they're they're finding a way to work together yeah. and finding a time to borrow the guns and finding a time to learn from history. All of the things that we know for a fact humans as a culture are really stubbornly against doing. <laughs> managed to see in the science fiction movie. Which is nice and all that, but when we get to the crying statue of Caesar at the end, it felt a little fucking much right. to me, right? <laughs> like, this is so hippy-dippy, mamby-pamby that I, I miss the bloodletting at the end. <laughs> like, at the end, John Houston whips out an Uzi and executes the classroom <laughs> for the forbidden knowledge, you know? Just hose them all down. <laughs> I don't know if that would be a better ending, but... As much as it is complete and it sort of finishes telling us this origin and we see sort of the end of Caesar and the dawn of the new generation and I, I, I kind of shrug this one off. Now, could this be ache fatigue because I watched five I, that movies? That may very well be. Well, no, I watched four. I watched the original with you and then when you returned the movies to me, I watched like the four of them. Probably in three days I watched all four. Right. Uh-huh. So I... I, I just being real, like it can be enough is enough, right? You know, like, like maybe on another day I would be less harsh on it, but uh, it felt a little bit like homework. Well, that's usually the sensation when I'm doing the uh, the ranking reviews. Where, like this feels like work now. This feels like I should be getting paid for my time to right. watch this movie. <laughs> that usually means we're probably watching the bottom of the list. <laughs> so. Um, but I don't want to be 100% mean to it either. There are some good actors in it. Um, and Paul Williams is a very famous singer, songwriter, pianist dude. He is a really short guy. He did a really famous episode of The Muppet Show. Anyway, he shows up in here playing one of the apes. Oh, And wow. uh, I think that a lot of people showed up either as a bank favor just to get, you know, butts and seats in the audience or people who just kind of like the idea of being in a monkey movie. I think being a monkey in the background of Planet of the Apes would be akin to some people as being a stormtrooper in the background of the set of a Star Wars movie or a fucking Klingon in Star Trek or uh, an orc in The Lord of the Rings. Like, I don't think that the influence of all of these ape movies can be overstated. There were ape coloring books, lunchboxes, cartoons, television shows, comic books. It definitely hit a nerve and I just... I'm fascinated to know what that is. Like, I love revisiting these movies, and I did have a good time with it, but I, I don't think I fully understand what it was. Why monkeys? <laughs> like, would it have worked if it was Planet of the Cows? Probably not. <laughs> that would have been too crazy. Monkeys are just close enough to us to think, like, maybe if they could organize, maybe they could, you know? <laughs> say the chimps are, like, five times stronger than your average person. Yeah. Um... I think that's another noticeable difference. I'm sorry, I'm jumping all over the place. Is like these now just feel like people in monkey costumes. They don't feel like monkeys anymore. Right, right. I think that's a slow thing that happened over the course of the movies. But I don't feel any animal affectation to these right. at all. This is like a, an orator. This feels like Socrates teaching philosophy to a yeah. bunch of his <laughs> students in the Greek age. You know, but it's just post-apocalyptics. Monkeys and humans living together, holding hands, singing, making hybrid creatures, <laughs> and uh, hopefully there's no irradiated humors in the humans in the sewers, 
worshipping the bomb. <laughs> Hopefully, this version <laughs> Hopefully of the Black of you know, it's so interesting. All these franchises with their like Donnie Darko, Darko tangent universes, right? Right. Um, it's worth it. It's worth it. I just think that the final chapter kind of limps off into the sunset. Okay. That's where I land. Fair enough. Is there anything you wanted to say about that? No, let's give the Tim Burton. Uh, <laughs> let's get ready for the Tim Burton. Now it gets real. One day they'll tell a story, and some will say it was just a fairy tale about a human who came from the stars and changed our world. have a soul. <laughs> Is there a soul in there? It's disgusting the way we treat humans. How the hell did they get like this? What other way would they be? If they see you on the street, they kill you on sight. You stay here, you're dead. Where are you from? United States Air Force. I'm going back. Bye. Some humans have escaped. Is there another way out of the city? I can show you the way. They travel with a... Declare martial law. We underestimate this human. The hell are they? The story is spreading through the villages. They all want to see this human who defies the apes. Full division! Full battle ready! It's over. There's no help coming. You came. Sound the call to march! Get me the spaceman. podcast called the Dana Gould Hour and if you like podcasts and you like stand-up comedians and you like the history of film you should probably listen to the Dana Gould Hour who's a free plug for Dana Gould. He's a big Planet of the Apes fan but uh, I think this is one of his stand-up specials or he might have just said it on, on, on the podcast so I'm not, I'm not trying to steal the man's work I just think <laughs> this was an, an interesting observation. Who made the phone call to Michael Clark Duncan to cast him in this movie? Just like, okay, Michael, we loved you in Green Mile. Yeah. Tim Burton's making this new movie. It's going to be a lavish production. It's going to be star-studded. And we want you to play a gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get it. I get it. You want somebody huge and fucking intimidating. And Michael Clark Duncan was that. But... Literally casting that man as a gorilla seems so horrifyingly, like, <laughs> racistly on the nose. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that being a weird, uh, weird conversation. But who says no to Tim Burton? And especially on paper, like at the time this movie's coming out, 
this would seem like it would be a really fucking good idea, right? Right. Like, Planet of the Apes is a classic sci-fi movie, really kind of untouchable, but if anybody can make it interesting, it would be Tim Burton. Yeah, this was 2001? Yes. 2000, 2001? In that neighborhood, let's... IMDb knows all. 2001, you're actually yeah, right, exactly right. right. So, yeah, Tim Burton's still hot, still, you know, definitely somebody yeah. that everybody would, would work with, probably without seeing the script in right. Hollywood at this point. He's just a hit machine. And, um, yeah, big property, but one that's, you know, worthy of dusting off. 68 was a long time ago. The last eight sequel was 73, I think. Yeah. So... If we bring this level of production values, somebody who loves the property, and it's different enough from like Tim Burton's aesthetic that like you could see how he could do it, but it doesn't feel like he's just repeating himself. It's not yeah. gonna be a gothic Edward Scissorhands ish world anymore. It's gonna be its own thing. Mm -hmm. So there was I think reason to be excited about the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes. And I think that excitement made me not like the movie more than it deserved when I first watched I, it. Yeah, yeah, I th yeah. I think uh, I think there was a there's a bit of a backlash against it. Because um, I remember when I first watched it, I felt like I wasn't allowed to enjoy it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you liked it, you were just stupid. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and of course, there's there's issues with the ending and and. Uh, and that kind of thing. But uh, when I watched it again, I kind of felt more an appreciation for some of the cleverness of it. They they kind of did their research. First of all, the makeup, really good. I think that the articulation on the faces, I absolutely 100% agree with you. Especially yeah, and the eyes as well. Kind Paul of, yeah. Giamatti and Tim Roth, I really see the actors' performances, yeah. even though they're completely buried. Oh, Tim Roth is so cool like, that. Tim Roth is a scary fucking villain. Paul Giamatti is a funny fucking villain. Mm -hmm. And I see those actors through the prosthetics. I think if there's a problem, it might be the teeth. Because right, I notice right. that almost everybody has this little thing with their voice. Right, 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 right. But it's just a little bit too much air. Right. And I think that's the two. Because, I assume it's... I could be wrong about that, but... Um, it's because it seems ubiquitous. Almost yeah. everybody seems to have that problem if yeah. they're in the monkey makeup. Um, now, I said I didn't like it when I first watched it, but that doesn't mean I'm going to let it off the hook upon watching. I will say that I liked it more when I revisited it, but it's intensely problematic. And mm -hmm. whereas I said that the Planet of the Apes, the movie series, kind of embodied everything that you could do right and wrong with sequels, this movie simultaneously embodies everything you can do right and wrong with a remake or reimagination of the product. They're constantly reminding you of the original by having people who are in the original show up or making direct references. Get your hands off, be you damn dirty human. Mm -hmm. Huh? Remember that, you guys? Remember Planet of the Apes? Mm -hmm. 1968, huh? Mm -hmm. Remember that other, better movie? <laughs> you know, there's, there's, a, there's, there's paying homage, there's doing fan service, and there's being distracting. And mm -hmm. at times, they got pretty fucking distracting with yeah. that. Uh, the human people are way too pretty, you know. Uh, the, the model playing the would-be love interest from Mark right. Wahlberg is just... I don't believe she's living in a post-apocalyptic world, <laughs> and neither does she. Right. <laughs> and I'm sorry to be mean to Mark Wahlberg for two episodes in a row, but I think as a leading man in this particular case, he's kind of an empty vessel. He is a witness to the proceedings. 
more than he is the hero of the proceedings mm-hmm. to me. He's the hero by default because he's the only capable and intelligent human on the planet. Really, like his decision to chase that monkey out into space, endangering everyone, yeah. is not overly heroic. It's an emotional choice, not a smart one. And again, if they were going that way, if they were making him Heston-esque, I could have rolled with those punches. And you know what? Mark Wahlberg can play a macho asshole. I've seen him do it. <laughs> uh, but instead, he's got that fucking deer in headlights happening face on, where he's like, part of him knows this is a good movie for his career. It's a starring vehicle. It's Tim Burton. But he seems somehow lost in it. Like... He doesn't engage me. I'm not a Charlton Heston fan, and I missed Charlton Heston. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Production values, A+. Plus. Script, C-. Minus. And ending, F-. Minus. <laughs> and in the end, you got another one of these frustrating... It's not a debacle. It's not Tim Burton's worst, like, crime, I don't think. But it one of those movies that you could have reborn a franchise like this new trilogy proves that you you know people are, are down for Planet of the Apes and if you know to see Tim Burton really step on a rake here you know it kind of stunned hmm. where would I uh, like uh, I mean where do you <laughs> Helen Bottom Carter this is the first time she worked with uh, Tim Burton and uh, they ended up getting married after this he was <laughs> He was with, uh, I can't remember the name of the actress, Lisa Marie, oh, right. up until that point, and you know, she was showing up in his movies, and this was where there seemed to be a little switcheroo, where Lisa Marie was no longer in Tim Burton movies, <laughs> and uh, Helen the Bottom Carter kind of took over. Right. What do you, what's your, where do you take on a remake versus a reimagining? Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm a fan of remix culture, yeah. I'm a fan of like taking something and looking at it through a new lens. Uh, so where you, where you draw the line between homage and parody, I don't know. Did this movie make it? I get that Planet of the Apes was kind of an untouchable one. And I get doing the same twist over again would just be pointless. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand doing this twist where not only is Mark Wahlberg a bland hero, he's a completely ineffective one. In the end, he doesn't even defeat the main villain. And we find out that the main villain basically grows to be that world's Lincoln. Right. He frees them. Instead of, you know, equalizing things or turning things around for humans, you know, uh, all of a sudden, you know, the greatest villain has become the greatest hero of the ape culture. Mm-hmm. And that's where we leave it. Like, our hero hasn't just failed, but uh, our villain has won to such a ridiculous degree. <laughs> like I don't know if Tim Burton thought there was going to be eight movie after eight movie I believe this movie was financially successful but the critics really blew raspberries true right so like I don't, I'm not sure what the mentality of it was <laughs> like maybe they thought for sure this was going to be a sequel worthy so we can leave it wherever the fuck we want and I guess in a way it's honest as to a weird bleak fucked up ending that a 70s sci-fi movie would have like, it totally makes sense within the series, but I just, it totally didn't work for me. It, not only was it not the Statue of Liberty on the beach, it was so far from it as to be kind of vaguely offensive. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, hard hard to get super excited about it. Um, Tim Burton's always going to bring in a game cast, and you can tell that people are into it. Helen Bonham Carter's into playing monkeys, and these monkeys are physically able and intimidating. They walk on their knuckles, and when they run in the battle sequences, they can outrun horses. Like, it's aggressive, right? So, uh, I really feel the scare and the intimidation when Tim Roth grabs people by the face and forces their jaw open and is looking inside their head the way he treats a human being like a gerbil, like we would treat, treat, treat a lab mouse. You know, that's when the movie's working. That's when I see, you know, Tim, Tim Roth just fucking killing it as a villain. These production designs being absolutely beautiful, but not so distracting as to take me out of the story, right? There's a good movie hiding under the surface, and that's what makes it so frustrating. It's not that it's a terrible movie, it's that it's really close mm -hmm. to being a good movie, mm -hmm. <laughs> and that makes it somehow more frustrating to me. Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts on it? I feel like I got my end out, but I've not got much <laughs> Uh No, not really. Uh, no, let's do our ranking. Okay. Well, I mean, it's a swing and a miss for, for Tim Burton, but I don't write him off. Like, I'm, an, I'm a Tim Burton apologist. Mm -hmm. Even for this movie, I'm a Tim Burton apologist. so much for coming back to my podcast and talking some monkey movies with me it's always a pleasure to have you on board um so i would love to hear your thoughts on the Planet of the Apes series as a whole and uh for you to tell me what your least favorite of these six monkey movies is and why of all the monkey movies ape 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 they're very particular about that uh i would have to say beneath felt like a fever dream it really distressed me on, on so many levels, so I'll put that one at number six. Okay. All right, so let's go with number five then. It would be Conquest. That's sort of the uh, beginning of the rise, is that right? It's the second to last. Second to last, right, yeah. It, uh, it was kind of interesting in, in the way that it sort of led into the, the mythos, but uh, still kind of linear, so yeah. I'll put it at number five. Number four would be... The Tim Burton remake, which uh, I think some of the uh, there was some really good there. There was like uh, like the mannerisms and 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 the uh, the feeling of menace and the makeup. 
there was a really good aspect of that, so I'll put that in number four. Number three would be Escape, because I liked uh, Sing Zero. I think she's, she's an interesting character. Uh, number two, Battle. Uh, so that's... Uh, Wait, that's the last one. That's the last. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. I, I kind of felt it. Kind of felt like a stage play, but in a good way. Okay. And then number one would be the original. I think. Uh, I don't think you're gonna get much blowback. Yeah, yeah. It, it it had it had it had what it. Yeah, is a. Yeah, it's, really a, cool it's story, clearly a classic piece of science yeah, fiction. Yeah, and it has influenced so much. Yeah, there's a reason that there was all of these eight movies following it, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's untouchable. Unfortunately, my friend, once again, we are not going zero clashing. for six or six for six. Um, yeah, I I'm very different from you. I think the one that we ended up disagreeing on both uh, the most is probably Battle. And again, that might need another day in court for me. Maybe it was because it was the fifth of the original series, and I was kind of getting played uh, out. Hey, fatigue. <laughs> but I was the least emotionally engaged from it, and. Yeah. It was cheaper, like the ape effects weren't there, the production values wasn't there. It felt, like I said, a made-for-TV version of the Planet of the Apes. So I was just kind of meh. I, uh, I didn't feel powerfully strong for or against the movie in a lot of ways, so I gave it the bottom. I put the remake in fifth place, and again, for that exact thing I'd said during the review, you can see how this is so close to being awesome, but it's not. The script mm-hmm. lets us down. And I think we needed either another draft of the of the main characters, like give him a character, give the right. main character a character, yeah. and uh, and yeah, find a new place to land. I really was off put by the ending, but damn it, Tim, Tim Burton can't make good production values. You know, I love how the monkey affectations were really worked into it. How scary the monkeys were, how, yeah. like. And the different class of monkeys. And when you saw two gorillas fighting, it was fucking brutal. <laughs> like, I loved like I loved all of that of it. I just wish they could have hung a story on it. You know? right. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, so then I go to Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, which is the one where the uh, humans are enslaving the apes. Right. This is the uh, vice versa. And sort of the, the Caesar story long. It, it was the it got even darker after the death of his parents from Escape. Right. Uh, I, I much prefer Escape in the canon, but I think this is a very fine continuation. And again, the social satire that's going on, the stuff that they were talking about reflecting in modern times, it, it was more relevant when it came out. But I would say that it still is relevant today. It's certainly not not relevant today. But it, yeah, it does feel at times heavy-handed controversially, and I'll understand blowback on this, I put Beneath the Planet of the Apes all the way in third place because oh. of how fucking crazy it okay, is. Okay, alright. <laughs> it is memorably batshit insane. Yeah. Like, everything that happens is just almost, like, calculated to be infuriating to purest fans. But you gotta give them credit that he really went there. And I was, like, gobsmacked, entertained. Like, this is the mm-hmm. holy shit entry. So it maybe is didn't land in third place because it, of anything it was doing maybe on purpose. Yeah. But it tickled me. It tickled me how fucking bizarre <laughs> it was. So it fought its way to third place. 
In second place, Escape from the Planet of the Apes. The one that traumatized me as a child yeah, because right. I saw a baby monkey get machine gun. <laughs> and uh, it just, it, that uh, it, it presented an ending that I wasn't expecting or prepared for. Uh, I was prepared for it this time and I could sort of see the satire. And it sort of starts cutesy and ends pretty hard. But it's an interesting chapter, like... Again, they, they, it seemed like there was no way they could have made a sequel to that eight movie. And yet, not only did they make a sequel, they made, to my mind, the best sequel <laughs> out of all of them. After Charlton Heston literally blew up the planet <laughs> of the apes. But of course, number one is obviously, and will always be, the 1968 original. I have a lot of good feelings about the new trilogy of the Apes movies. I think mm -hmm. that the the special effects, the CGI dependent as they are, have gotten us to a place where they can really blur the reality. Mm -hmm. Andy Serkis has introduced us to a whole new kind of performance, and uh, that uh, it's kind of exciting to think what other stories can be told using this format. Um, I've talked about Rise of the Planet of the Apes, but I do recommend that series too. But uh, it was interesting playing in the Wayback Machine. These aren't even movies that I should have nostalgia for. All of them came <laughs> out before I was born. But like I said, I'd seen the original movie because I think everybody's seen the original movie. And I'd seen the other ones here and there on TV when I was a kid. And I guess it's like anything music or cultural or pop culture related. It's almost as good as a diary entry revisiting some of these. It makes me think like... I'm, I'm a little kid in small town Alberta, <laughs> and this just happens to be on, and I'm I'm watching it while playing with my He-Man figures, <laughs> and uh, that uh, I kind of just took for granted that yeah, of course they make big sci-fi movies about monkey planets because <laughs> that's what you do. No, they don't make movies like that. They really don't. <laughs> they really don't. And I don't know what an ancillary to Planet of the Apes was. Like, can you compare this to another series? No. You're watching Friday the 13th, you can say, well, it's a slasher series. It's just like Halloween, really, right? Mm. <laughs> Even like Lord of the Rings is like a fantasy series where there's a, uh, you know, a quest that needs to be undertaken. Mm. Say what you will about the Planet of the Apes franchise. It is its own distinct thing. It is not comparable to anything else. And maybe that's why it's got such deep teeth in our culture. Or maybe it's just throwing a tantrum and throwing species everywhere. And, you know, you can't ignore that. <laughs> Either way, I would say the original series is worth a watch. And the new trilogy is definitely worth a watch. Absolutely. Is there anything else you'd like to say to the kids in the land of the internet and land of podcasts before we leave, Kevin? Uh... You maniacs! You maniacs! You blew it up! <laughs> Thanks a lot, brother.
You blew it up, you maniacs! You blew it up! That was the uh, ranking review episode on the Planet of the Apes. I am aware, of course, that there are three more Planet of the Apes movies, but we like to do six films per episode, and this just sort of worked out nicely. But yes, there are more monkey movies to talk about, and I'm sure we will get to them on Rankin Review. If you want to let me know what you thought of this episode, you can tell me by writing me at rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W. I hope you continue listening to the show, and I hope you tell a friend about Rankin Review. That's the best way you can help the podcast, short of tracking me down and putting money in my hand. (laughs) Get other ears listening to the podcast, and that will be all the motivation I need to keep going. You can find a new episode of Rankin Review every other Wednesday.